0: Hello and welcome back to the Meraki Unboxed Podcast. My name is Sammy Brenner and I'm going to be your host taking you through the episode today which is going to be a really fun little mini episode that we're doing as a special because it is February, it is Valentine's Day month, so what better way than to have a couple come on at Meraki and tell us their love story. So I'm super excited to get into the content again today for this special episode so I have with me on the line, Alex and Dom Oriol. So Dom Anique is a colleague of mine in U.S. public sector. She's a fellow manager alongside me. And then Alex is on our service provider team. He's been at Meraki forever. So I cannot wait to get in to this story and have them share their love story. Alex and Dom, welcome to the Meraki Unbox podcast.
1: Hey, Sammy. How Thank are you? So you so much for having us. Good, excited to be here.
2: Awesome. Yeah, likewise, I'm ready to have some fun. Good,
0: let's do it. Okay, so Alex and Dom, let's start from the top. How did you both find yourself at Cisco Meraki? What's the backstory of how you got here? Do
1: You wanna go first since you have more tenure than I
2: do? Well, Dom's story is a lot more cool.
1: (laughs) Okay, awesome. I can go first. Um, so I actually, I, I, well, I can go way back. I graduated college from the university of Florida in 2012, um, towards the end of December and two weeks after graduation, I decided like, I'm moving to California. I don't have a job, but I'll figure it out. Um, in my month plan that I gave myself to actually find a job, I found Meraki, but I started working at Meraki as a, um, Order admin, not order admin, as a um, administrative assistant to our our CTO at the point, John Pickett. Um, I was working with the engineering team as their office admin. um, And then literally like within a couple of days, I think they got announced that Cisco acquired Meraki. And so they were eventually going to be moving to a new building, which is the 500 Terry Francois um, building that you probably all know. When that happened, I had reached out to Denise and you know, asked her, like, I really love the company. I would love to stay at Meraki in any other way, shape, or form. Um, and ended up joining the um, operations team under Joe Zittimer. Worked in order admin, um, became a supervisor for that team, uh, then switched over to our channel operations, covering the Latin American market Um. Spanish is actually my first language, so I used to work on the manual POs that would come in from all over LATAM. Um, that was an awesome opportunity because then like I got to work with distribution, I got to work with channel, uh, which was really cool. Um, then we actually left for a little bit. We moved to Seattle, and so I, I left uh, to work for a reseller, um, but we missed San Francisco a lot. So we came back to the Bay area and I joined public sector where I met you and the rest of the public sector team. And so I think I've been back for, this is my fourth year back already. Um, But yeah, it's been quite a journey in the last almost nine years of being
0: here. You've worn a lot of hats.
1: Yes, and got to meet a lot of cool people
2: throughout the process.
0: I love it. And Alex, what's your story? How did you get to Cisco Meraki?
2: So I actually grew up in San Francisco and uh, had been in the sales industry since I graduated. And I had met somebody at, of course, one of the technology companies that I was employed at that had taken a job at Meraki and he tried to get me to come with him. And he uh, we kept in touch, and he told me about how much fun he was having and how awesome the technology was and just how different of an environment it was to work in. And I always just kept brushing him off. I guess I just didn't really realize it at the time. Um, I thought I had a great job, but I I really, I probably wasn't having as much fun as, uh, as I, I could have been, but I hadn't realized that until I joined Meraki. And one day I moved into a new apartment and it was maybe the first night. And we've probably all have done this where you know you're you don't even have all your furniture yet. And you're kind of sitting on the floor eating some Chinese food. And I was looking for an internet connection. I hadn't had Comcast come out just yet. So I was looking for somebody's wireless network. Hope i won't get in trouble. Somebody's wireless network that wasn't secure that I could maybe just kind of leech onto. And I found one called Free the Net. And it turned out that Free the Net was actually powered by Meraki. So very early on, Meraki had helped the city of San Francisco to uh, pilot a uh, public Wi-Fi network. And it was uh, meshed on top of people's rooftops. So it just so happened that my apartment was near one of these Meraki repeaters. And I took that as a sign. Oh my God, it's, it's Meraki's it's buzzing in my ear again. So I got with my friend and he helped to get me an interview. And here's another sign. Turns out that the Meraki office at 660 Alabama was literally three blocks away from my new apartment. So the rest is history. I joined Meraki as uh, employee number 70. I was on the inside sales team, covered Uh, A variety of different territories throughout the years, different sales capacities, eventually moved out to Seattle and covered the Pacific Northwest for us. And these days, I have joined the service provider team in a little bit more of a business development capacity, helping some of the largest service providers in North America to get Meraki-powered services into market. But most importantly, still having a lot of fun 11 years on.
0: Wow. Amazing. So both very different hats right now in the company, but I would call you guys a Meraki power couple for sure. You're our Jason Beyonce. Okay. So that's the backstory of how you both got to Meraki. Now I'm curious about the good part, which is your love story. So how did the two of you meet at Meraki? How did your paths cross and what did that look like?
1: So as you remember, like Alex mentioned, 660 Alabama, there used to be a building called 470 Alabama, where all the engineers used to be. Um, and that's actually the building where we used to have lunch as well. Um, when I joined the company, um, I would go in back and forth between 660 Alabama to cover the desk, uh, the front desk of that building, and then go back to uh, 470, where most of my day was spent really. Um, So I would see Alex at the office and I thought that he was like, you know, very handsome, uh, but I didn't have the you know courage to go say hi to him or anything like that. We, uh, at some point, Eddie Sertucci uh, invited me to go to lunch outside of the office because, you know, we get free lunch at the office but still wanted to go eat somewhere else. Uh, And when I go into the car, Alex was in the car as well and I was like, oh, OK, that's that's nice. Um, you know, I've been trying to talk to this guy, but haven't had the courage to, talk, to do so. But um, we ended up going to lunch together and there was this, what was it called? Um, where the food trucks were, maybe like a block or two away from the office.
2: Yeah, Soma Street Food Park.
1: Yeah, yeah, Soma Street Food Park. And I'm, I'm from Peru, born and raised in, in, in Peru, came here when I was 13 years old. And to me, whenever I see a Peruvian anything, I get very excited. And uh, there was a Peruvian food truck at the Soma Street um, food truck spot. And so they're a straight, you know, so I literally get in, walk straight to the food truck and buy me a ceviche. And then Alex sits next to me and starts talking to me about Peruvian food and Peruvian culture and all these different things. And I was so blown away. I was like... How does this guy from San Francisco know anything to do with Peru? And I guess you can explain how you knew anything about Peru at that point.
2: My older sister, and I dated somebody from Peru for about 10 years. And he wow. was practically my big brother. He would take me to soccer field. We would, we were, we would hang out all the time. And I uh, had all this knowledge about Peru bottled in, and I hadn't had an opportunity to use it. <laughs> and then at that moment, obviously, I was really interested in Dominique. And uh, I just started thinking, okay, there's going to be an opportunity. There's going to be an opportunity. What am I What am I going to say? And, uh, of course, there was a Peruvian uh, food truck there, and I found out she was Peruvian. And I was like, oh, my God, this is my end. So it's so, so like... <laughs> super cheesy but it was kind of love at first bite. Cause we both really are <laughs> into food still are we still are yes yeah.
0: um, love love at first bite i feel like that could be the name of a movie
1: <laughs> we should pitch it to netflix
0: seriously let's pitch it to netflix okay so that's how you two met you crossed paths it was love at first bite peruvian food all your peruvian knowledge i love it So how did this thing evolve from that kind of first lunch to thinking maybe there's something here to where you, you know, where you are now? How did did your love story progress and evolve from that day?
1: I think from there, we started hanging out a lot more. Uh, Whenever I would see him at the office, I would make an effort to like try to have lunch with him or even after we moved to the new building, he would make like a smoothie for himself and then come down to my side of the building to like bring the smoothie to me which was really nice um and we just started hanging out more um like spending a lot of time together chatting on well we didn't have team space at that moment time we used to have um google chats
2: um we just quickly became best friends yeah Uh, um I had never, I'd never been in a relationship before that where I looked at that person as rival, rival ring, rival like I'm just <laughs> lost for words right now. Um, that of my, my best friend who I grew up with. Um, mm-hmm. so he's probably not going to listen to this podcast so I could say it, but, uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah. And then, so with Dominique, it just, it was totally different than anything I had experienced before. We just, liked being around each other. We never fought. We still don't, uh, to be honest with you. And uh, it made what was already a fun job even more exciting, just to kind of break up um, the day a little bit and go say hi and bring her a smoothie. And then um, until one day when I interviewed for a position that, that would have taken me to Southern California. And um, we kind of both realized, uh-oh, uh oh, this because I don't think we were there yet in our relationship where we where we both would have just like left to Southern California together. So this would have been a turning point for us. But fortunately, I, I, I don't think I was ready for the role or I wasn't right for the role. So I didn't realize it at the time, but it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because it kept mm-hmm. me in San Francisco um, just a little bit longer um, to help us to, you know, to... one Well, one day I woke up in the morning this is a true story. And, uh, I just had this crazy thought in my mind. I just, I I pictured her calling me one day and breaking up, um, because she didn't think that I was taking it serious enough or, you know, I wasn't committed enough. And for whatever reason, I, I, that's what came through my mind. And then I pictured my life without her. Mm. And, And that's the moment that I realized how strongly in love I was. Oh,
1: so cute. It was very sweet because prior to that, we would only like, you know, text each other to hang out like once a week or something like that. And when he would go on territory trips, you know, he'd be busy, right? Territory trips. Um, But this entire territory trip that he had done, um, he was down in San Diego or somewhere in Southern California. And he was messaging me the entire week that he was there. Right. And I was just like, oh, like this is different (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I like it. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm going to let it
0: happen. (laughs) I love that. So it was very organic, kind of how this all came about. And then, Alex, you had this moment where you were like, wait a second. This is my gal.
2: This is my gal and I'm a salesman. So I had to close the deal (laughs) that same day. I had to let her know how I felt went
1: straight to the I love you I did wow.
2: yeah
1: and I said and I said okay
0: <laughs> power move yeah not quite yeah. yet
1: the I love you came the day after I was in shock you know right. I think I was just in shock and the I love you from my side came the day after uh but then from there we just honestly like we like the same things like you know like we like we love food pretty much every trip that we've done in the last nine years has been around where we can eat. Uh, we both love beer. We used to collect, we still kind of do collect beer and wine. Um, and like he said, like we don't really fight. We've, we are both very compatible in a way like we have disagreements, but it's, it never turns into an argument or anything like that. Which I, and we, are very good at talking to each other, which I think is like the most important thing.
2: Yeah, Dom's a very patient person, and uh, <laughs> she's maybe five feet tall, you know, um, in heels. So I uh, I don't I wouldn't feel good about myself if I raised my voice to her. <laughs>
0: she is very patient. I can vouch for that. So it sounds like you are kind of made for each other. I mean, there are a lot of things that you discovered on early in the relationship, like this doesn't really feel like work, right? We just kind of vibe, we mesh. Uh, That's really beautiful. So you're kind of telling me about the evolution of your love story and and how Alex just kind of decided this is my gal and I got to let her know. For all our listeners out there who are dying to know and curious, where are you at today? I mean, was there a wedding? Is there more? Where, you know, is there a baby? Where are we at today?
1: Yeah. So um, we got engaged in Naples, Florida, in December of 2016 or
2: 17. 2016, I think it was.
1: Yes, 2016. And this
2: time, she didn't just say okay. No. she like, actually gave me an answer. I want that on the record uh, that it uh, did happen right there on the spot.
1: I did say yes. I didn't even look at the ring. Uh, we were at the at a beach. It was sunset, and he was dying to go see the sunset with me. And I just was like, why? <laughs> like, you never want to go see the sunsets. And
2: well, I, I, I'm always running late. Um, yes. Something that I, I'm self-aware of and I'm trying to work on. And of course, was uh, we were probably gonna miss the sunset. So no. you know, she she was she didn't know why we were going there, so she was pretty relaxed about it. And I'm like, we gotta go, let's go, get in the car, let's go. <laughs> she was like, what is what's going on with this guy? And then you know we got to the beach, and I'm like, oh man, I'm trying to find a parking spot. She's like, why are you driving so fast? Why are you running? Why are you like pulling me towards this beach here real quick? You know, you've never been so interested in a sunset before.
1: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't know I didn't know it was gonna happen um, because our parents had just met the night before, right? Our parents had just met the night before. Um, finally, we had gotten them together. His parents come to Florida from time to time. and so
2: the funny thing is, <laughs> so we had our parents meet. Okay, and um, you knew I was going to ask her parents if it was cool, uh, just out of respect. But the way that I did it was kind of funny. I waited until they were in their car, like they were packed in, they had the seatbelts on, they were right about to leave, and then I just walked over and they cranked down their window real quick, and, and then I I just let them know real quick what was about to happen. So they they were kind of caught off guard. It, you know, I don't think that they would have objected, but if they had second thoughts, they it would have been too late they were already in the car and i was i was out so uh, oh my god strategic
0: very strategic no out just Just hey happening roll down the window amazing so the engagement goes off without a hitch fast forward to wedding
1: wedding we got uh, married at city hall the year after so december 8th 2017 um very small it was just my mom his parents best friend and our dog shy Aww. our golden doodle our baby our first baby and we it was christmas time so city hall had this beautiful like christmas tree in the middle um an ex moroccan took our photos which actually he's become our family photographer at this point Um, He's taken all our photos together.
2: Shout out Brian Wong. Brian Wong, very talented photographer in the Bay Area. Hit him up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty amazing. Um, We had our our civil civil wedding, uh, and we did a civil wedding because we were having a a Mexico wedding. So we did a destination wedding in Mexico, um, mainly because I wanted to have some family from Peru. And uh, it was really hard for them to get a visa. To the United States. So it was easier for them to just fly with passports to, to Mexico. Um, my dad being included. So my dad still lives in Peru. Had the wedding in Mexico. We still hear from all our friends that it was the best wedding that they've ever been to.
0: Wow.
1: Best food, most fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of dancing. Um, we had a Meraki table, of course, with some Moroccans that have been with us through our, our entire journey. Um, and I mean, we've been married four years. Yeah. Four years. Almost four years. Wow. Or I think already four
0: years. Um, and now we have a little one. Tell us about that. Tell us about the newest member.
1: Yeah. So he's 18 months. Um, his name is Sam Caleb named after my father-in-law. Dr. Sam Oriel and my mother my grandmother um, who both actually passed away in July of 2020 which is when Sammy was actually
0: born. Wow that's really powerful.
2: Yeah it's pretty wild. We uh, we had a name picked out and we were in the delivery room when we found out that my dad wasn't going to make it and likely wasn't going to make it till the morning so we just looked at each other, and I was going to ask her if, if she'd be okay with changing the name, and I didn't even have to. Um, it was wow. a pretty powerful moment for us as a couple, mm-hmm. and I just remember that Sam was born close to midnight, and they asked us if we had the name, and I I knew my dad was still alive, and I was hoping to you know. Spent a little bit more time with little baby Sam, who had yet to be Sam, um, and Dominique until they were, you know, we knew that they were stable. They were OK. And then hopefully sometime early in the morning, I was going to head out to another hospital in San Francisco where my dad was. And they were trying to keep him alive for a little longer so I could say goodbye. And so I just told the nurses, you know, we, we do have a name, but we'll, we'll let you know here. And they kind of understood what was going on. And um, I was with Sam in the NICU, out of all places. So it's talk about an emotional roller coaster. Um, he spent the first couple of nights in the NICU, and I was with him. And Dominique wasn't wasn't there with us yet. And it was just a little baby and, and myself. And uh, my sister called me to let me know that my dad had passed away. It was maybe two or three o'clock in the morning. And, uh, I remember the nurse came by and I, you know, we looked each other in the eye and I let her know his name is Sam, Sam Oriol. Wow. And it was a amazing blessing, you know, now that I think about it, because it offers us an opportunity to remember my dad every single time we say Sammy's name, Mm -hmm. which happens a lot. A lot. (laughs)
1: Sammy, no. Sammy, this.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's a great name. That's an amazing story. That's super beautiful and vulnerable and thank you for sharing. And yeah, you get to think of your dad every time
2: we do. He was a big fan of Meraki, by the way, (laughs) he was so proud of of the fact that I worked at Cisco and Meraki and he just loved the stories. Wow.
0: That's so freaking awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So I guess to kind of tie this all together, looking back at your love story now and how much Meraki this place has meant to you and how much history you've lived here, what does Meraki mean to you? What does this company mean to you? I mean, could you kind of tie it up with a bow for us?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I can go first. Um, to me, Meraki has been a place of like, I've always said this to me, it has been my family. Um, I came into the Bay area, not knowing anyone. I didn't have a job, had $2,000 in my bank account. And I found Meraki, right? They, I found some of my best friends actually came from Meraki. Um, my husband, <laughs> you know, I met him there. So to me, it's always been a place where it's my family. And I absolutely love Meraki, the company, the people. Um, I don't see myself going anywhere, you know, like, at least not for a while. And it's always been also a place of opportunity. So, right, like I've grown as an individual, I've grown as, in my career, I've gotten to meet a lot of different people and learn a lot from everybody. And it's always had, it's always given me the chance to, to be more and i think that that's very amazing. And the fact that i met Alex there who's always pushed me for more too, right? I think that's why we also are such a great couple together is because he's always he always wants more for me. And mm-hmm. i wouldn't have gone for the ISM role if it hadn't been for him telling me like you're ready for it. Like this is yeah. yours to take. Yep. Um so yeah, Maranki, is always going to have a huge huge place in my heart.
0: Um, Mm -hmm.
1: we joked that we were going to name the baby after miles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's our original mascot. Yeah. That's hilarious. (laughs) Well, maybe that's baby number two. We'll save miles for baby number two. There you go.
2: (laughs) What about you, Alex? It's just been a place of significance for me throughout the years. Lots of great memories. I spent a lot of time at the office. You know, I was three blocks away for a while and, uh, my badge worked on the weekends, and so I'd find myself sometimes on a Saturday or a Sunday having a bowl of cereal and reading the newspaper at my desk, you know, this beautiful office, completely empty, and there was something really peaceful about it. And then I would catch up on a little bit of work, but not too much, but just enough to justify that free bowl of cereal, you know. And then when we ended up moving to the shinier, bigger office – I remember feeling really
0: sentimental
2: about that first office and I came back after they moved most of the office furniture and I grabbed a few mementos like the uh, original Meraki mailbox with the logo on it and uh, the reception sign. And I even peeled off this Jerry Rice fathead that was on the wall and I rolled it up nice and careful and I brought it back to our apartment and Dom Really did not like this, but I, I I, put it back up on the wall in the hallway to greet everybody coming in, and she said it looked like, you know, a bachelor pad or a frat, <laughs> frat house, and she was probably right. Um, and that only lasted for, like, another year, and then I had to roll Jerry back up oh. and stash him away. But um, it's always been a, a place where I've been able to meet friends, to be able to find opportunities to challenge myself, I've never felt bored. I've, I've, every time that I've maybe gotten close to leaving, a new opportunity has fallen right into my lap, and um, I, just excited. I feel like there is no end of these types of opportunities at Meraki. I mean. You know, it's kind of cheesy to, to talk about. a. It's, it's kind of a big corporation now. It's not a startup anymore. Um, but Meraki, I feel like, is still sticking to a lot of its core values. People, people first. Uh, we try to do the right thing. During the, uh, during the pandemic, we continued to pay um, a lot of our employees, you know, the catering staff, for example, or the, the, the maintenance crew. You know, we're taken care of um, those little things were, were really symbolic and important, reinforced that this is uh, this is a family and, uh, you know, I'm giving my all to this company. So I want to make sure that I'm doing that for the right type of organization. So so far, it, you know, they've never let me down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can echo that. Meraki really does live the values. Um, Well, you guys, this was so much fun. I hope this episode gives people all the warm and fuzzies. Uh, Alex, Dom, thank you so much for joining, for being vulnerable, for sharing your love story. It's special. It was incredibly thoughtful. So thank you for sharing. Um, And uh, we hope to have you back soon. Don't be a stranger on this thing. And come back. Yes, about little Sammy. Congratulations, by the way. That's so amazing. So that wraps up another episode, folks, of the Meraki Unbox podcast. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and click the subscribe button. We are releasing content about every two weeks, but again, this is a special mini-sode. So happy Valentine's Day. We hope you enjoy this episode. If you have any suggestions or you wanna give us feedback or you wanna be a part of the podcast, go ahead and tweet us at Meraki Simon. We'd love to hear your feedback. uh, And uh, if it makes sense to collaborate, we will absolutely reach out. So it's been a pleasure. Take care folks and see you back here very soon.